Thank you all. It is an awesome thing to be a part of a church to where people are just responsive to what the Lord would lead them to do. So that is something that we had talked about. So ushers, uh, when the service is finished, if we could have someone back here at these exits and one over here, whatever the Lord leads, lays upon your heart to uh, give to support them, it would be absolutely awesome. And if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 18 through 22. This is the beginning of our new series, our four-week series for this month called Reach Out. And we believe that at Rocky Mount Baptist Church that 2013 is going to be our year of outreach, systematically organizing ourselves, having a change, a change of heart, a change of pattern in the sense that we uh, do our utmost to do things in the community to get the gospel out there. And uh, we're going to unpack that these next four weeks. We're going to talk in the subsequent weeks about how you reach out to your friends how you reach out to your family, and how you reach out to people that you don't even know or what we call foreigners. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. And the Bible says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, this is speaking of Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their, le- their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus called his disciples to be what he called, this is an interesting phrase, fishers of Men, And thanks to my good friend, Fisher, who is a good fisherman, he let me borrow his rod and reel. Uh, how many fishermen or fisherwomen do we have here this morning? You would call yourself that. How many of you think that you could have the greatest rig in all the world and the fish would bypass and go to someone else's? Okay. All right. I, I wouldn't call myself the greatest fisherman, but when I, when I think about fishing, some of you are like, is he going to cast it out in the audience or whatnot? Right. When I think about fishing, it reminds me of when I was a teenage boy. Uh, there was an older man in Louisiana named Earl Oob. He was a Cajun guy and he actually still spoke French. Isn't that neat? He brought me fishing down at Pointe-a-Chien, which in French is Point of the Dog. And uh, this is bothering some of you. Like, what is he going to do with it? We thought about, like, going in the baptistry and pulling. We're just kidding. All right. We're just going to put it right here so nobody gets hurt. But we went down to Pointe-a-Chien, which is on the coast of Louisiana. And he got out of his truck and he walked up to this shrimp shop. And him and this other gray-haired man, they immediately began to talk. And what I ha- I thought I was going nuts, but they were talking in French. It was awesome. So he, he got, he got uh, the, the bait and we went down and we got into his boat. We went out into the bay and we, we were fishing and finally we hit. And some of you have been in that situation before. We hit the jackpot. We hit the mother load. Uh, how many of you have ever had redfish before? Redfish. Okay, not, not too many in the rivers up here, but we hit a pile of redfish. We had poles all over the boat and throwing over here, over the bow, over the stern. And it was like they all hit at once. Earl was trying to reel one in. Then he saw this pole get hit over to his left. He jumps on it and then he sees one at the front of the boat. And then Earl, 67 years old in 1996, kind of, he got so excited trying to multitask that he flipped over backwards in the boat. 
And here I am as a 16-year-old guy like, oh my goodness, Mr. Earl just broke his back and fish are coming. So he's like, I'm like, are you okay? He's like, get the pole, get the pole. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, right? That's a real man. So I don't care if I'm injured. If this ends up at the ER, we're going to get that fish and we're going to clean him and we're going to eat him. Rawr, right? And so he just said, get the fish, get the fish. So I'm trying to reel fish in. And man, I, I just say, as far as outdoor things go, man, it is hard to beat a good day fishing. Can I get an amen? I mean, we're not talking a cast here and wait for five hours. We're talking about hauling them in Jesus disciple style. It is hard to beat a good day fishing. And you know the excitement of when either if you're fishing with a bobber, you're fishing salt water, when you, when you know something big has just hit your line. And you're like, I got something. And then you're trying to set the hook without popping it out and you drag that fish in. There is excitement. There's an adrenaline rush when we catch fish. My Uncle Ken for a number of years held the record for blue marlin off the coast of Florida. A certain size of boat. They were in this fishing tournament. It was 13 feet long and 735 pounds. That'll feed a lot of cats, amen? Right? I mean, this this thing was huge. He was in this fishing tournament. And Uncle Ken, he's from New York, tough hockey player, big husky guy. And it, the rules of the tournament were that he had you couldn't have help from your other team. took him four hours to land that beast. And so he finally gets it on the boat. And they ran out of gas on the way back because it was so heavy. They had to buy gas off of other guys in the tournament. And it was just one of those things. When I was a kid, and we would go to Pensacola and visit my grandmother and visit uh, Aunt Joanne and Uncle Ken. It was like when you walked in the house, there was this fish. The head was huge. It was just there. I was like, wow, that is so awesome. He's kind of a chilled, laid back guy. But when he would describe it, it was something like, man, what would it be like to land a blue marlin 13 feet long, 735 pounds? It's a lot of fun. But here's the thing. Jesus is talking to fishermen. And he says, I want you to follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Now, a little background here. This was not, from what Bible scholars believe, the, the first time that this guy named Jesus just randomly walked down the beach and saw these guys. There are the other Gospels that corroborates together that they had probably been exposed to Jesus' ministry for a while. They knew who He was, what He taught, and Jesus finally gave them the call to commitment and says, I want you to follow Me, and I will make you a person whose life goal is to use what they have to aim for bringing people to Jesus Christ. You see, the driving thought of our message this morning, if you're a note taker, you can follow along with us. It is very simple and it is that you use what you have in order to fish for what has worth. Fish with what you have for what has worth. In other words, no matter what God has given you in your life, no matter what your educational level, no matter what your job is, no matter, ladies, if you're a homemaker or whether you have a career outside the home, God has given all of us connections and gifts, and we are to use that for bringing people to Jesus Christ. And let me just get something very uh, awkward in church out of the way up front. Usually when we talk about the subject of evangelism, and evangelism is simply telling people the good news. It's sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus. People in church that say, Jeff, I have lived here 
Franklin County. I've lived here for a long time. And if I went to the people that I know and begin to try to share Jesus with them, they would either get ticked off or they would think it's a joke because of my past life. I have not lived for Christ. My language, my actions, the the way that I have spent my money, the way I've talked about people, they would be like, what are you smoking? Who are you and what did you do with my friend? And you say, Jeff, it's it's one of those things that's going to be so hard for me to bridge in order to start becoming a fisher of men when in the past I've not even worried about people going to hell or going to heaven at all. Here's how you do it. When you come to that place and you're going to share Christ with a person, you honestly and straightforwardly, they are your friend, your family member, admit your mistakes. Do you realize that people, when you admit your mistakes, they are so much more in tune to listen to what you have to say as opposed to when you come to them and act like you don't have any problems? You ever talk to somebody before and they come to you and it's almost the air that they give off is, I'm better than you. And in this conversation, I'm going to show you 15 reasons why you need to be like me. As opposed to you. And you say, Jeff, God has changed my heart in these recent months or these years. Or it may have been last week. I want to start sharing the gospel with people. I want to see my friends and family saved. I may not know how. Come on Sunday. We're going to break it down these next four weeks. You say, Jeff, how do I actually start that without it being really awkward and them even listening to me. You tell them, look, I have not walked the way that I should. I've not been obedient to Christ. I'm trying to give my give my life to Him in a day-to-day way to just have Him change me. So this may be awkward. Tell your friend, tell your family, look, this may be awkward, this may be weird, but this is something that, that, that I've had in my heart that I, I want to just get out. And confess it. Confess that you haven't done your duty. Confess that you haven't been the friend or the family member that you should have been. And guess what most people will do? If they see that you're legit and you really are concerned about them, man, they will totally plug in and listen to you. They will. You say, now Jeff, but, but, but what about this? We'll talk about excuses and fears in just a moment. You say, Jeff, evangelism is proclaiming the good news. Is, is that, that the case? Yes. Now there's two ways that we usually do evangelism in the United States. One is a come and see. So many of you have done a great job at bringing your friends to church. Amen? Y'all okay this morning? Or maybe I don't know, I haven't. You know, maybe it's my wife or my husband or my friend. But y'all have done a great job in bringing your friends to our, our Sunday morning worship gathering to hear the gospel so they can hear it. You know, the whole truckload. And you know, when they look over at you like, so you totally set me up on this. You're like, yeah. So here's the thing. You've done a great job, but here's when it really takes off. When God gets a hold of your life outside of 11 to 12, 15, 12, 30 on Sunday mornings, and you take the gospel to them, it's a go and tell versus a come and see. You see, becoming a fisher of men, and this is in your notes, is a transformation of the mind and the heart so that your life aim becomes leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers said this, So long as there is a human being who does not know Jesus Christ, I am his debtor to serve him until he does. Ray Comfort says, 
Don't be afraid to ask people what they believe. If you have the courtesy to listen, they may return the favor. Now let's break down what it exactly means and how you change your life from simply having friends to trying to reach those friends for Jesus Christ. Number one, the roadmap is you have to commit to truly follow Jesus Christ. If you're a church member here this morning and you have not shared your faith, that's a problem and you need to repent. Right now, don't wait to the invitation. If you're one of the churchgoers to where it's a Sunday morning, 11 to 12, that's it. You never take Jesus out. That is called a heart problem. And what we don't preach at Rocky Mount Baptist Church is legalism. We don't preach do sermons where you've got to continue and start doing all these things. You've got to start sharing your faith. You've got to start doing this. You've got to start doing this in order to be a good Christian. The point is that when we realize that there's something wrong, we repent. Question. If you have not truly followed Christ, you can tell by these three keys. Number one, have you ever repented? Has there been the fruit of repentance in your life, church member? Has there been a place and a a time to where you have turned from your lifestyle, from your sin to Jesus Christ? Has there been a change? Number two, has there been the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Do you have love, joy? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you have the fruit of good works? Not do you do good things, not are you a nice person, but has God so changed your heart that you want to serve people, that you want to see people saved because Jesus saved you? See, Jeff, what do we do to actually become a fisher of men? Give me some practical stuff. When Jesus called them to become a fisher of men, here's what you must have in order for that to be the case. In order to see your friends and your family saved through God's witness through you, number one, we have to see people as Jesus sees them. Amen, church? We've got to see people as Jesus sees them. Number one, they are valuable persons, but they are dead in their sins and trespasses. If the way that you look at people is, well, my friend is a good guy. She's a good lady. That's not going to cut it because guess what? No person is truly good in the sight of God. We have to look at our friends and look at our family members to say, if they have not come to that place where they've given their lives to Jesus Christ and been changed, they are going to hell forever. Sorry, it's not a popular message, but it's the truth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, and you were dead in your sins and trespasses. It means that every single person here in Franklin County that has not truly been changed by Jesus Christ, it's not that they just need Jesus in addition to their life, but they need to be born again and they need to be saved. So the question is, is your heart so inclined to do whatever it takes to reach them? Or is it simply they're my buddy or my friend? You see, the Bible tells us also, and this is interesting, that we're made in the image of whom? Tell me, church. Of God. So we know that we're valuable. We know that our friends are valuable. But there is this problem called sin that has separated us from God. So the question is, if God is in control of everything, if God is sovereign, then why did God cause you to be born to the parents that you were born to and to live in this day and time and know the friends that you know? The ultimate reason is that you can bring glory to Him through sharing the Gospel and bringing your friends to Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36-38. through 38, We must see people as Jesus sees them. Not only are they valuable people who Christ died for, not only are they lost and going to hell, but here in life they are people who have no direction. The Bible says that Jesus, when He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. You see, when the Bible uses the word compassion, it doesn't just mean a feeling. It doesn't just mean the sensation that you get when the romantic song comes on the radio or, or whether you have hear a strong patriotic song and just you're overwhelmed by emotion. Compassion means action. It means that Jesus is looking out at these people saying, look, they're confused. They don't know what life is for. Your friends and your, your lost family, they're blind. And Jesus has put you there to be a light to them. Isn't it exciting, isn't it an exciting thing that God can, now check this out, the God of the universe who can do everything has sent his son to die for the sins of the world, but he has created you with the relationships that you have. And it is through your witness, through Christ's witness in you and through you that you could share the gospel with your friend, that you could bring them to Jesus Christ, that you could be the link that God has provided for them to hear the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved from hell. That should blow you away. But you see, what Satan will tell you is, oh, they, they won't listen. They're not, it's not going to work. They're too stubborn. They're too hard. Remember the things that you used to do with them before Jesus Christ saved you. Let's get back to it. The Bible tells us that people are lost without Jesus. That people are going to hell without Jesus. The Bible tells us that people are created in the image of God. But the Bible also tells us that we have to see God for who He is. If you're taking notes, Revelation chapter 4 in, in verse 11, the Bible is so clear that Jesus is the one who is worthy of the worship of every single person who lives on this planet. Here's a statement from John Piper. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions means sharing the gospel with Jesus with people no matter where they are. You see, when we come to the place to where we say, God, what can you do in my life? God, I don't want to, sh- I don't want to cut you short. I don't want to compare myself to people in my church. I don't want to compare myself to people in my family. Because here's what often happens. Some of you may be from a dead church background, and we don't need any amens there, okay? Some of you may be from a, I mean, it is, it's just, I mean, you, you will find more life at a funeral home when everybody leaves than you will at your church on Sunday morning. And some of y'all have to think about that for a few minutes to get it. And it's just like, you know, the, the preacher stands up like he doesn't want to be there. And, and the music is just like, God is awesome. Yay. And then, buddy, mid-sentence noon, everybody's, I, I mean, like Olympic-style running to get out of Dodge. And it's just like nobody wants, they're just, just like a check-off list. And then there's no emphasis on trying to reach people for Jesus. There's no emphasis on bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's no people connecting together like Jerry and Regina and Jonathan to use the gifts that God has given them to go down and help structure a program in a third world country so that kids can be sponsored and go to school and hear the gospel of Jesus. There's, there's, there's none of that. And that's your, that's your structure. That's what you have seen church as. And then it's like God has touched your heart and you're like, man, there's, there's something, there's something, something missing. There's something, there's something, I don't know what it is. It seems like me and my family, like we go to church, we have Bibles, we have Christian status on our Facebook, religion status, but there's something missing. The point of you learning God's Word is so that you can share God's Word, you see. 
The fact that Jesus is a missional God, the fact that He is the Good Shepherd who seeks out the lost sheep, if we follow Him, we should follow Him. God, I'm telling you guys, don't in this series, don't cut yourself short. Don't cut yourself short by comparing this to your past church experience or by people that you know who they say they're followers of Jesus Christ. They have all the right answers, but man, they've, it's like people going to hell is not even on their radar. And then God begins to work in your heart and you're like, man, God, I know you're worthy of, I know you're worthy of all my devotion, but it just seems so abnormal, doesn't it? Vance Habner said that we have become in the church so subnormal that if we were ever biblically normal, people would think that we're abnormal. We're not talking about crazy Christianity in Rocky Mount Baptist, okay? We're not talking about being out on a limb. We're not talking being, I heard the phrase yesterday, odd for God. Isn't that funny, right? Odd for God. Okay, you can take that away. Just throw it out this week. Random conversations. Alright? But, but here's the thing. We, when we understand that it is through Jesus coming to us, through what? Through somebody's witness. Did you realize that there is, there, none of us are here today without God using a person or a publisher of some kind, using a praying mom, a praying father, a friend to bring the gospel to us. So not only do we see that God is worthy of the devotion, of everyone. We see that God is worthy of the devotion because of who He is and what He has done. The book of Revelation, like this song that, that the worship team sang, the Revelation song, it's a description of Jesus and His power and His might. And I'm telling you guys, Jesus is so worthy of everything that we can give to Him. You say, Jeff, but I'm scared. Yeah, but Jesus can help you overcome your fear. Amen? You see, the issue here, here is where Rocky Mount Baptist Church dies or lives. You say, now hold on, Jeff. Are you say, are you, are you saying that we're on the verge of dying? I will tell you this, that every church that is not missional has an expiration date. And the expiration date is simply this. Whoever they have reached, whatever age group, if they do not do outreach, if they do not reach out to their friends and family, whenever that group gets old and dies, the church does what? It dies. So we're not trying to become some specialized church. We're not trying to become the new groovy deal in town. We're not trying to be anything other than what Jesus says, I can make you to be. Go back to fishing. When you've hauled in a big catch, you know how, I mean, or some of you who are hunters, and you take down that big deer, just the, just the way that it makes you feel, change it over. Some of you ladies, and you go Roanoke, and you find that four-letter word, S-A-L-E, and I mean, you, you zero in on that, and you take that joker down, right? I mean, you, you come, and you, <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble, man. Ladies and husbands, y'all, it's the same thing with hunting and fishing. She comes home, guys, and she is dragging her kill in a Belks bag. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like she has... She has gone in and she's taken names and she has done her mission, okay? And, and, and you come home and ladies, you know, and I, I don't know, y'all have told me, I don't understand, I don't even care what I wear. So I'm like, yeah, people buy me clothes and I wear them. That's the way that it works. But do you ladies just like, oh, I found this on sale. And us guys are like, that's, 
That's awesome. Add to your 40 other pairs of shoes. That's great. You know, whatever works for you. And then ladies, you know, your husband comes home. Look at what I caught. Look at what I killed. And you're like, oh, that's great. It's kind of like the cat. When the cat drags home dead things, you just pet it and say, good, good. And everything's fine. Good job, honey. You're so great. More dead stuff on the wall, right? It's like that's the way, that's the way that works. But here's the thing. I want us to begin to let God change our minds so that we become fishers of men. You see, when we follow Jesus, Jesus is a heat-seeking, sinner-seeking missile to say, I will pursue and I will save who I will save. I'm giving my people the, the, the charge to go into all the world and share the gospel with every creature. So here's what's so cool. You can, through the power of God in your life and through a change of heart, by repenting of excuses, you can be used by the God of the universe to bring your lost friends to Jesus Christ. But it will have to come at the cost of turning your eyes away from a dead pastor, a dead church experience, spiritually dead friends, spiritually dead family who don't give a rip about the gospel and who won't do a thing to bring it to people who are lost. You will have to. Not that you go in and you just walk into your family and you just start pronouncing them pagans. That's not the right way to go. But when you see a lack of concern, a lack of heart, it means that as for you and your house, you will, as Joshua said, we will serve the Lord and we will seek after those who we came to save. So not only do we see God for who He is, but we have to connect with lost people. This is where it gets really awkward. We will have to connect with lost people as Jesus did. This is in your notes. I prayed about it. It's in there. How do you connect with lost people? If you're a church person, you've been here a long time, this often has the first step. You will have to get over yourself and repent of your excuses. I've been blown away in my short life in church experience with how many people have come year after year after decade after decade and heard Sunday school lesson after Wednesday night Bible study after Sunday morning sermon, but they have never shared the gospel with anybody. If that's you, you cannot blame it on a former church experience. You cannot blame it on your upbringing. You must repent and call it sin today. We okay in here? All right. Say, Jen, I wasn't brought up that way. If you're saved, if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is your responsibility to read God's Word and not be dependent on anyone else. Now, there's excuses. A lot of times I've heard this from people my age. Here's the way it goes. You ready? All right, young folks. Let the old people do it. They're retired and have nothing but time. I don't know if I saw a couple switchblades pulled out by senior citizens, but they will tell you very quickly that life does not slow down, that just because you retire doesn't mean that you have all the time in the world. I've heard excuses from seniors that says, let the young people do it. They've got their good health. Well, we know that sometimes health concerns do play a part, but I do know in my short life that most of the time when it's time for seniors to go on a retreat or vacation that they want to go on, guess where they go? They go. So it's an excuse Whatever it is, and you need to repent of it. If you want to find a Bible verse for excuses, Luke chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, and this is uh, the, the parable of God inviting people to this marriage supper, which is symbolic of inviting people to be saved and to join in with God's mission. Notice how lame the excuses are. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Time out. Who buys property without seeing it? Brilliant, right? Verse 19, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I 
Go to test or examine them. Please have me excused. Who buys an animal, a workhorse, without ever actually looking at it and riding the horse? Whoever buys a vehicle pays good money if you never bring it for a test drive. Notice, uh, this is awesome. Verse 20. Well, not. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. (laughs) Guys, this is, this is ball and chain right here, or is it? Bring your wife. Amen? You see, Luke 14, that, 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 for some of you, that need, that needs to become your verse for 2013. Let, let me give you a couple more. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. See, the lazy man says, something bad's gonna happen to me. The person who's not concerned for the souls of other people say, I will be I will offend people or they will not like me. Proverbs 28, 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? That's good stuff. You see, here's the thing that Satan wants you to do. He wants you to flee from connecting with people that are not clean. He wants you to, to, to lie to yourself by saying, if I can simply surround myself and my family with strong godly people, then therefore I'll be more like Jesus. Do we need strong godly people in our life? Absolutely. That, that's not something that's being argued. But if you're truly like Jesus, you will do, you should write this down, Matthew eleven nineteen. the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified for her deeds. And to that, we say, Amen. Jesus was a friend with the people who didn't ever come to church. You say, Jeff, I don't know anybody that doesn't come to church. Guess what your job is? Figure out a way. Y'all gonna have, this is going to be a fun month. January. Excuses? They're like armpits. Everybody has a couple and they stink. Alright? And if you say, Jeff, in all, all seriousness and honesty, I, I am afraid to share my faith. Let me give you a verse. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. The Bible says, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Of self-control. You see, Satan will try to give you every excuse. Well, I'm not an an extrovert. Well, that's fine. There are some people that are not. Some people that make friends easier. There are some people that have more connections than others. There are some, man, if they just gave you a book on a Friday night, you are totally good. Some of you, if you don't have anything to do on a Friday night, you're like, oh, my life has no meaning, right? No matter what you're wired like, the question is, has God, has His grace so permeated your heart that you love your friends and your family enough to get down on your knees and say, God, help me figure out a plan to reach them with the gospel. We know that Jesus was with lost people. We know that he was with lost people. So here's the thing. Go try to find some avenue in Franklin County so that you can be connected with people who are not believers. Whether that's at the YMCA, whether that's playing Rook, whether it's doing whatever it may be. I mean... Maybe not the best thing, unless you go to share the gospel, just go hang out with the moonshiners. You know, if the bust happens, you may go down with them. But I'm seriously, find people who don't know Jesus. Y'all okay? This is one of those straightforward, Jesus said, I will make you a fisher 
of men. You say, well, Jeff, what is the response of people going to be? Well, it's going to either be they're going to get saved, they're going to be indifferent, or they're just going to reject the gospel. But guess what? It is the gospel that we must share nonetheless. You say, no, Jeff, no, hold on. I, I may be misunderstood. Well, that's possible. But not all the times it happens. I was walking Daisy the other night. on I think it was on a Thursday evening. I was coming through our good old Franklin County Library parking lot. And uh, it was one of those times. This is an awkward situation. I was wondering if I should share this or not. But I'm walking through and I've, she stops to smell this, this vehicle. And I'm, I go, come on, come on. You know, like if you've got a dog, you talk to the dog differently than you would to people. Come on, come on. And what I didn't see was this big dude with a big show and a camo hat who was leaning over the other side of his car, and he didn't see the dog. He just saw me going, come on, come on. <laughs> and then it was one of those things that I, I didn't want to make it really awkward. Be like, I'm, excuse me, big sir, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my dog. And it was just kind of weird. So I just, I tried to kind of pull on the leash and then go, come here, girl, come here, girl. And then she didn't come. And then I could just see the report, right? I get put in the hospital. He gets put in jail. It's like, once he started saying, come on, girl, that's all I could take. You know, just one of the, one of those things where you had a guy to come visit me and I, and, but, but and then I, I got it. I was like, hey, you doing? You know, kind of like dog. I wasn't talking to you. But sometimes we have those fears. Like if I bring up Jesus, people may misunderstand me. L- let me give you in just a few moments. We're going we're to give you some great ways how to do that. But I just want to say many of you have heard that statement by St. Francis of Assisi. Um, and it is this preach the gospel um, when necessary. Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Man, that is so false. Here's why. You say, if I just live as a good, moral, integrity-minded person, then somehow people are going to be mystically see Jesus in me. Not going to happen. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ to be an honest businessman. You don't have to be a Christian to be a person that's faithful to their wife or their husband. You don't have to be a born-again follower of Jesus Christ to do the right thing as far as filing taxes or whatever it may be. If you don't ever make the link, and I want everybody to hone in on on this because if you miss this, it's going to be tragic. If you don't help them make the link between your changed life and Jesus, you know what the conclusion they're going to come away with? Is that you're an awesome person and that you're good. And if I could only be as good as my friend, when we want them to know that it's only because of Jesus that I'm not out in the gutter somewhere. And when that begins to happen, when we put that connection with our lifestyle, people begin to be saved. I just think about Homer. Homer invested in Barry. Barry came, got saved. Barry's girls came. They followed Jesus Christ. They invited Helen. She came. She got saved. Miss Jeanette and Big Man brought Willie and Deb. Deb got saved. Willie's now a member of the church. And the story goes on and on for Rocky Mount Baptist Church. But here's the question. For the, the vast majority of us, what are you doing with your friends and your relationships to bring Jesus Christ to them? You say, Jeff, I have tried to share the gospel. I've tried to invite people to church, whatever it may be, but nobody listens. Why don't you let your prayer be like Samuel? In the Old Testament, it says that God did not allow any of Samuel's words to fall to the ground. Ask God for the gift of influence to be able to influence people to follow Jesus Christ. We have to pray for a change of heart to share the truth. We have to say, Jesus, are you in my life? Are you in control? Say, Jeff, how do I do it? Number one, 
When you bring up the things of God, sometimes it's hard. There are things that can be awkward transitions, right? Like, well, how do I go from baseball to Jesus? How do you do that? Sometimes it's hard to say, well, you know, the baseball game was good. You know what's really good? Jesus. And it can be hard to transition. This is the best way that I've come up with. There are certain questions, but just to say, look, this is something I've been thinking about. I, I want to share it with you. Have you thought about giving your life to Christ? Can, can we talk about, I just want to share what Jesus has done in my life. Ask them, do you consider yourself to be a good person? Then ask them if they've kept the Ten Commandments. Ask them where they would go when they die. Say, do you know what Jesus did so that you and I don't have to go to hell? Let God overwhelm you so that you bring the gospel to Him. You see, back in Matthew chapter 4, these guys left everything that they had ever known. And for some of us, that means leaving everything that we've ever known as far as personal interaction is concerned, right? To bring the gospel to people. Let me give you a statement by Charles Spurgeon. He said, The saving of souls, if a man has once gained love to perishing sinners and his blessed Master, will become an all-absorbing passion to him. So it will carry him away that he will almost forget himself in the saving of others. He will be like the brave fireman who cares not for the scorch or the heat so that he may rescue the poor pre-creature on whom true humanity has set his heart. If sinners will be damned, or if they will go to hell, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go to hell unwarned and unprayed for. May God give us mercy at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. May God give us mercy and break our hearts so that we can begin to be a church that shares the Gospel with our friends.